The Boilermakers turned in one of their most dominant performances of the season Sunday, knocking off Michigan State to stay at least a couple games clear of the field in the Big Ten race. Thoughts on the number one Boilermakers coming up on Gold and Black Radio. I'm Kyle Charters, Brian Newbert here, Tom Deanhart in a couple of minutes to talk football recruiting as well. But first, this. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. to see what prop bet will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOLDANDBLACK. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOLDANDBLACK. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. All right, Brian, the Boilermakers get another victory against Michigan State. Purdue with perhaps its most dominant game of the season, which I guess is saying something when we've won 20-something games now against just one loss. Uh, Zach Eady was really good. Again, I, we run out of great things to say. I think it was uh, appropriate when you said in the rap video, and I think when we talked a little bit last week, to to not overlook uh, what Edie is doing because it is it is pretty good, and he makes it so routine that it's uh, easy to just expect it. But, man, those are quite fantastic performance, including uh, against Michigan State on Sunday. Yeah, uh, Purdue's most dominant performance this season was Minnesota, but this was a really good game, obviously, for Purdue. Uh, Zach Eady, yeah, he, um, you know, it's he's just so consistent and so productive, and he just does so many little things, too, that get obscured by the big things, and he just, he does nothing to draw attention to himself, you know, and he's been, he's been really good defensively. He's kind of the face of Purdue being a pretty good defensive team this year. They're top 20 nationally right now in, in defense, which is mind boggling um, in context. He's been really good offense. He's made great decisions offensively. He's done his usual um, deal where he pins a ton of fouls on people. He's making his free throws. I know he missed a couple yesterday, but um He's just, just doing everything, and he's doing it in a very kind of understated and modest sort of manner. And uh, just don't take it for granted because what he's doing right now is something that doesn't come along very often. He scored 70 points against Michigan State in two games this year, which might be the single greatest performance in, in a two-game series against an opponent 
uh, in Purdue history. I don't know, making that up, but it, it seems like it could be a possibility. Uh, you cut out there for a second. What'd you say? I said, sounds fine to me. Go with it. Yeah. Uh, you surprised that Michigan State didn't do anything differently? I mean, they tried a little bit to double team him. I know that the Spartans are a little bit shorthanded from a personnel point of view to match up, but man, it just seemed like, especially in the second half, he did pretty much whatever he wanted. Yeah, no, they actually did do a lot of things differently this time. They they came on a double on the very first possession of the game. Either it was a double or it, it was an overzealous scrape by A.J. Hogard and uh, and Edie did exactly what he should have done. He threw it right to Ethan Morton. Ethan Morton hits a three and he had... He had that game on a string ever since. The fact that, you know, it was those two double teams kind of around the 10-minute mark of the second half that really kind of jumped out um, because he was just so on top of it. He, he got Ethan Morton that layup. He gets David Jenkins that three. Um, he also got Brandon Newman a look right at the rim. I, I thought there could have been a foul called on that. There wasn't. It was probably a close call anyway. But it didn't matter what Michigan State did. He beat it, and he beat it quickly. He beat it decisively. He beat it with authority. And um, there was just nothing Michigan State could do. So this wasn't Michigan State, once again, bullheadedly just going one-on-one and just kind of letting Zach Eady name his number. They did do a lot of different stuff relative to the first game that I didn't actually notice real time uh, in a lot of cases. But I, I went back and watched it last night very quickly. And they actually did do a, a – a whole bunch of stuff. They came from a lot of different angles. They came with a lot of different people and it didn't matter. None of it worked Um, because he's so, he's so cognitively advanced right now too, as an offensive decision maker, which is really saying something because this is the first time in this guy's basketball life. He's been the best player on a basketball team. He probably bears more responsibility than any player for his team in college basketball. Um, he's, he draws more attention than probably anybody in college basketball. And for him to be able to think that quickly on his feet just kind of really says something about how far he's come as a basketball player. It's not just Edie. All nine guys in Purdue's rotation seem to be contributing in a positive fashion right now. David Jenkins Jr. may be the one on Sunday that sort of uh, jumped into the limelight the most. He really has played well over the last several games, at least – uh been a bigger impact offensively than he had been earlier in the season, sort of more like what he was in his previous stops in uh, NCAA basketball. But, man, when he hits shots like he has, he adds just another dimension to, to Purdue's offense. I mean, it's pretty uh, – he can be a guy who can take Purdue's offense to another level when he hits a three-pointer or two during a game. Yeah, I mean – He's a guy who's used to being the number one or number two scorer on his teams, and now he's three, four, five, depending on who he's on the court with. And when it's those guys beating you with threes, when it's the David Jenkins and the Ethan Mortons, you know, and whatnot, that that's really has to be dispiriting. If you're, I don't know if that's a word or not. It's got to be uh, maddening if you're a Purdue opponent when you have to dedicate so much to stopping Ethan Morton. I'm sorry stopping Zach Eady and you have to uh, you have to worry about Fletcher Lawyer and you have to worry about Braden Smith and ball screen action and pushing the ball up the floor and things like that. And now the fourth or fifth guy out there is hitting open threes on you. That that that's really, you know, really problematic. It's like what PJ Thompson used to do for those really good 
Purdue teams years ago where he was like the fifth option most times and yeah, like a 45% three-point shooter at times. And um, But I, I, I just don't think you can say enough about David Jenkins, whether he's he's making shots or not. It's, it's obviously preferable that he makes shots, but I think he's giving you really good minutes where you otherwise would have a real concern from a depth chart perspective. I think he's doing a good enough job defensively. Um, I think he's been a great personality addition to this team and when he's making shots like he did the last couple of games that that just that just makes Purdue that much better he's got a knack man for making that that really really uh gut punch type of shot that shot he made right before halftime it got obscured mm-hmm. by, it, it got obscured by the final score and it got obscured by Zach Eady's day but that was just a huge shot well, almost it, it in some ways turns into a five-point play too because he hits that shot after the the moving screen that's called against Michigan State that causes Izzo to freak out. Then he further freaks out because of the the shot gets made, and then there's a technical that that ends up with two free throws to start the second half. I mean, yeah, huge, yeah. Uh, huge to push that game to that big a margin by the yeah. half. Yeah, Izzo obviously didn't see that Malik Hall uh, tripped Ethan Morton uh, on on the moving screen. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty clear call. He probably just didn't see it um and did not did not react well to what he thought was a bad call but yeah, that was point to uh close the first half strong and essentially start the second half with two untimed points yeah purdue has a stranglehold on the big 10 i guess the one team out there that you look at as a as a threat for a couple of reasons is indiana because the hoosiers have won five games in a row but also because Purdue and Indiana will play twice here over the last uh, nine, ten games of the season. It makes that game down in Bloomington on Saturday uh, a big one. It was going to be anyway, but it's going to be a real war down there, it feels like, on on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indiana has to have it. I mean, if if they're going to catch Purdue in the standings, Indiana has to, has to have that one. Um, I don't think there's any way around it. Uh, I I don't want to say that that's a that's a magic number type game for Purdue because technically, mathematically, Northwestern is still there. Um, mathematically, there's a lot of teams still there. Realistically, how many teams are still there when nobody in that two through twelve quagmire is really separating themselves? Um, I don't know, but Purdue's in a great spot here. If Purdue can, if Purdue can get that Northwestern game, if Purdue can at least split with Indiana, which you'd have to think that a team that's 20 and one can, you know, at worst get the one at their place. Uh, yeah. You would think uh, pretty sitting pretty here. I mean, this hasn't, this is, uh, there's still a lot of basketball left to be played, but this is profiling as something that could, could wrap up long before that last week of the season. If Purdue keeps, keeps going the way Purdue's going and everything about the way Purdue's played here, um, Basically, all season says that Purdue's going to be consistent, and Purdue's not going to just, you know, turn a pumpkin one day or phone one in or something and um, take a bad loss. That doesn't mean they're not going to lose games. Uh, the, I, I just don't think there's any reason to believe the bottom's going to drop out on them here. Thanks, Brian. Be good. No problem. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll bring in Tom Deanhart to talk a little bit of football recruiting with signing day coming up here in a couple of days. We'll do that next. This is Golden Black Radio. 
On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Dissolve your limitations and experience a deeper connection with your mind and body through a series of wellness workshops. Join Sand Valley for curated weekends that provide an opportunity to detach yourself and develop new tools that will change your life. Sign up today to discover new ways to speak to your body. To reserve your stay, call 844-277-0191 or visit sandvalleypursuits.com front slash events. All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of uh, football recruiting. Man, it is uh, a busy time for Ryan Walters and company uh, with signing day coming up here in a couple of days on Wednesday. You know, over the last several years, the spring signing period has become a little bit of an afterthought. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly not so right now. Purdue could have, what, as many as a half dozen, maybe more than that, guys signing on Wednesday, which certainly is needed. Purdue needs an influx of, of more guys to pad that uh, early signing class. A couple of those who could sign on Wednesday just committed here over the weekend. Orlando wide receiver, cornerback Derek Rogers, Missouri athlete, mm -hmm. Armand Branch, who probably is a wide receiver corner also in a, in a kick return. He, uh, so two more guys who bring a little bit of athleticism, it seems like to the class, which, which is needed. Yeah, you're right. And to your, your first point, um, as far as being active, yeah, produce sort of an anomaly. Cause like you said, Kyle, uh, ever since they've gone to the second signing day, a few years ago, this has sort of been a, almost a non-event for a lot of schools with everybody pretty much signing the bulk of their, their recruits, in that early signing window in December. But, yeah, for Purdue, with the coaching change, you know, Walters is, has still been on the look, on the seek for these 2023 kids who could come in next year and, and help the Boilermakers. And you're right, um, a couple of good athletes from that 2023 class did give their commitments after visiting this weekend. And, uh, yeah, similar guys, right? Athletes, cornerbacks, slash wide receivers, I got to think, uh, they're probably going to get a look at, on defense first. We shall see. Um, you know, the, the Rodgers kid from Orlando Jones High School was committed to UNLV. <clears throat> and even before that, he had been committed to Maryland. And the Branch kid from Festus, Missouri, which is about 30 miles south of St. Louis, he was really an overlooked guy. Um, tremendous leaper, great basketball player. 
as a slight build, but the connection for Purdue there was their head coach, A.J. Afadale, a former Missouri tight end, NFL tight end, and worked on the Missouri staff with Ryan Walters, and A.J. Afadale sort of tipped off Walters about this kid, and Purdue swooped in and got him. Uh, interesting, yeah. So they'll they'll sign Wednesday. It could be as many. We were adding up here a couple of minutes ago. It could be as as many as seven guys uh, on Wednesday. Now that's a lot for the spring signing period, but obviously uh, Purdue needs help. Yeah, one of the ones for sure is the offensive tackle, the junior college kid from Butler County Community College in Kansas, Isaiah Walker Jr. Um, he committed last week after taking a visit. Um, he's got a very interesting story. We don't have enough time to get in, into it at this point, but I mean, he was committed to South Carolina, signed with Florida, transferred to Miami. Now he's at a junior college, so Purdue will be about his fourth school. But he could definitely help, at least in a reserve role, I think, at maybe that left offensive tackle spot. And yeah, Kyle, too, don't forget, you know, Purdue did have commitments from two kids way back this summer who didn't sign in December. Maybe one of their biggest uh, commitments of that period was, of course, the Kendrick Gilbert, the defensive tackle from Cathedral High School. Um, and George Barron, the tight end from Mount Vernon, Indiana. Both those guys, Barron in July and Gilbert in August, committed to Purdue. Again, didn't sign in December after Jeff Brom left. All signs point to those guys still staying committed to Purdue, Kyle. But, uh, again, it's, it's interesting or worth noting, you know, Gilbert was on campus this weekend for an official visit. But then he left for Lexington, Kentucky to take an unofficial visit with the Wildcats. So, he may be still weighing his options, but those are two more pretty good in-state talents that will makers hope to reel in on Wednesday. And there's, there, there could still be some others out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's two other guys. One's an offensive tackle, a big uh, six, seven kid from Orlando Evans high school named Chris Dasson, St. John. And uh, he's a kid who visited last week, uh, was going to visit Colorado or Oregon state this weekend, decided not to go anywhere. So you think maybe his mind is made up. And I think, you know, Purdue could be the pick for him. So that's a guy for everybody to sort of keep their keep on the radar, I think, of maybe being able to land here for sure. And uh, and the other one's just very interesting edge rusher from West Virginia, Mondrell Dean, like a 6'4-220 kid. Um, has some nice offers. And uh, he's a kid who visited this weekend. Uh, but he's not going to make his decision until signing it. But those are two other guys. Again, Mondrell Dean, an edge rusher from West Virginia, and Chris Dasson, St. John, a big offensive tackle from Orlando, Florida. Those are two other guys who can maybe slip into the signing class in our two, 2023 uh, prospects as well. Purdue doing a lot of work to uh, pick up guys for right now, but also having some 2024 guys in, including getting a commitment from Hudori Hines, the defensive back from Franklin Central, he becomes the first commitment for the 2024 class mm -hmm. uh, for Purdue. Certainly uh, good to get that class off to a good start. And he seems like a good prospect, too, defensive back. Yeah, had some nice offers. To, uh, again, just a junior at Franklin Central outside of Indianapolis. Plays high-level football. Uh, had some nice offers out of the gate, cornerback. And, boy, that's, that's the bailiwick of Ryan Walters, right? That secondary, those players yeah. that are going to want to play for Ryan Walters with what he was able to prove himself as a coach with, with back-end players of, of the, the defense. So, yeah, nice first uh, foray, first commitment for the class of 2024 to get a pretty high-profile in-state kid 
And Kyle, this last Sunday was Purdue's junior day. They had a raft of prospects in. A lot of Indiana kids, as, as you would suspect. A lot of Chicago area kids too, Kyle. Big mm-hmm. tight end from, from Michigan was down. So, uh, yeah, they were in full force with, uh, with their junior day on Sunday. And again, as you mentioned, it was fruitful with the commitment of Hines that came on Sunday night. Chicago going to be an area of emphasis for, uh, for this staff? It looks like it. You know, um, anybody who's followed these guys on social media knows they've been all over the country in January, from California to New Jersey to Florida, Texas. And certainly they were, their presence was felt in Chicago. And, again, that resonated even more with this junior day with, again, a, a number of prospects from the Chicago area that were down. Uh, Morgan Park kids, I know, uh, was one of the schools that was was, was represented, Marian Catholic. So, yeah, uh, you know, over the years, Kyle, as you know, as a longtime Purdue guy who's covered this program, that's always been an area that, that can be very fruitful for Purdue. And sometimes it gets neglected. I know it can be over-recruited, but, yeah. man, if you're Purdue, you still have to have a presence in that huge city just two hours north of yourself. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, thanks, Tom. You bet, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for this Monday. For Brian Newbert and Tom Deanhart, I'm Kyle Charters. This is Golden Black Radio.